The Sons of Saturday podcast is brought to you by our friends at Main Street Pharmacy. Located right on Main Street in Blacksburg, Virginia, Main Street Pharmacy is proudly owned by a Hokie family and has been a partner of this podcast since 2020. MSP offers free delivery, curbside pickup, and vaccinations as well. If you are a student or resident in the Blacksburg area, you can always trust that at Main Street Pharmacy, you are not just a number, you are a neighbor. Welcome in to the Sons of Saturday podcast. I am joined by Billy Ray Mitchell in my living room. My name is Pat Finn. We are in Charlotte. What a fun, what a what an experience. Yes, it was. Uh, the longest day of our lives. And if you were in Lane Stadium yesterday at noon, if you were in Lane Stadium yesterday at 9 p.m., you know the same thing. Uh, we, you know, what we thought would be a nice up and back day trip from Charlotte turned into be uh, quite a marathon. And we're going to kick off this marathon podcast because there is a lot to talk about. You play a football game for that long, a lot goes on, whether it's on the field or off the field. We're going to kick this thing off, jump into sonsofsaturday.com's article from our guy, Justin Cates. Justin Cates is a, is a magician with a pen in his hand and a keyboard amongst his fingertips. He did a great job with his weekly Cheers and Jeers article. So we're going we're gonna to jump into his opening excerpt there. I'm just taking my beat Purdue pin off my hat. Um, I still have mine on. <laughs> I don't know who the Giants play today, but uh, it is opening week for, uh, for the other football. So excited about that. <laughs> the other football. That was a long road to walk just to end up completely disappointed at the end. The weather showed shades of the 2000 season opener against Georgia Tech that was famously canceled due to lightning. He has a a video of the Lee Corso clip below. I don't know what a hook he is, but God is one of them. Lightning hit my car. Sidebar, lightning hit Lane Stadium. I saw lightning hit a tree uh, on Washington Street. You go to the Barstool VTech account, there's several... Uh, videos of of uh, of lightning and thunder and kids dancing around in massive puddles. A lot of good content over there. <laughs> Back into the article. That incident famously prompted the upgrades to Tech's current high-tech version of Worship Field that can suck down a hurricane in less than an hour. It's not always handy, but man, is it worth having a vacuum under your field on a day like Saturday? <laughs> Even in these hellish times, it's not often that the first quarter lasts six hours. Every Saturday truly brings something new in this big, dumb sport. I love Justin Case. <laughs> so I love that guy. Um, welcome into the show. It's Sunday, September 10th. I slept in until like 1130. Pat slept in. We both went to, where'd we go? Cheers? Cheers. Cheats. Cheats. Cheesesteaks. We loaded up mm-hmm. on... Their Taylor ham, egg and cheese served on a long roll. We're getting really geared up, really good. Geared up for the Rutgers game next week. Getting getting in the uh, the Taylor ham spirit here. But Billy, shall you do the honors? Sure. And and dive in. I, uh, 
Well, before we even dive in, do we want to kind of set the table here? Or? Sure. No, uh, Virginia Tech played a football game yesterday. It was 17 to 24. For those of you watching on the YouTube channel, I'm going to go ahead and just – this was a photo that I took yesterday. Um, as you can see, pre-vacuum, PV. It, it looks like a swimming pool out there. Game was supposed to start at 12, got delayed for about 15 minutes. Um, they started the game, played about – a half of a quarter, and then it ended up being a five-hour and I think 17-minute delay. Uh, play didn't pick back up until 7.15. Um, 6.15. Five, five hours and 27 minutes. Five hours and 27 minutes. Close. Close. Um, but we're going to break it down. Again, Hokies fall 17-24 to 24 to Purdue. And uh, as always, we will jump into our Hokie haiku, which actually came from abroad. This haiku was submitted from abroad from Caroline Miller. Shout out, shout out. Live from Paris. Tech game number two. Stayed up till three in Paris. Just for an upset. So, wee um, wee, oui, oui, monsieur wee, oui, thank you so much for your uh, haiku submission. I think that we start this podcast off with just what the hell happened yesterday. And I think first and foremost, so... We went with two friends, went with Bryce Chalkley and we went with Mike Russell. Two folks. And look, if you're in this part of your life, you'll understand. If you're not, you will one day. Um, both fathers of youngsters and uh, the wonderful wives of these two people, Mrs. Russell, and Mrs. Chalkley, were very, very upfront. Hey, want them to have fun? You're going to go to this game. It's a nooner. Take the day trip from Charlotte, two and a half hour drive. Pat and Billy Ray, please don't. Go meandering through Blacksburg after as soon as the game is over. Get our husbands home. And we did that. But. <laughs> but. I didn't know you were going to lead it in like that. But the game, the game was delayed five and a half hours. And when they were supposed to be home, hopefully by the time the sunset begins, they were home around midnight. So we do apologize to Mrs. Chalkley and Mrs. Russell. Um but uh, hopefully they woke up early, sunny side up eggs, maybe breakfast in bed and some, um, you know, Good Morning America or whatever is on on Sunday. Exactly. That and, you know, watch. the Greek festival going on Greek in Charlotte festival. today, too. Yes, yes, yes. So um, get into Blacksburg around 8. 8.45. We rolled into the Bojangles. We rolled into Bojangles. Um, had a great time tailgating down at the German club. Made our way over to Lot 11. Said hello to the Barlows. We ran over to the Monogram Club tailgate. We ran over to uh, some other Lot 1 tailgates. Had a great time. And then I run into get try to get into the stadium. And I'm like, oh, man, metal detectors. They're going to hold us up this time. No, they just straight up weren't letting anybody into the stadium because we have lightning. We have thunder. We have everything. And mind you. All week long, mm -hmm. hey, looks like it's going to rain on Saturday. I was rooting for it. I was like, I hope they get a nice drizzle. Mm. Nice. Okay. So, <laughs> Billy was like, oh, I love when it rains. <laughs> not knowing the inconveniences that this, this brings to thousands of people. <laughs> not named Billy Ray. <laughs> yeah, I hope it rains. No, let's just get like a nice like little overcast so you don't, you know, leave Lane Stadium with a third degree sunburn mm -hmm. and sit in the East Stands. But, um. <laughs> I was under the impression that it was going to rain on Saturday, you know, maybe at like 4, 5, 6 p.m. We'd be long gone. We'd be getting the father's home right. uh, to Charlotte. 
And little did we know, we get the notification from Hokie Sports. We get the the, uh, the automated automated SMS saying, guys, you know, there might be some weather today. And we're like, all right, you know, I guess. I guess maybe maybe it might rain. Mm-hmm. Um, what we did not anticipate was <laughs> receiving the most, probably the most historic rain. I've never seen it rain like that in Blacksburg. Blacksburg has crazy weather. I've I've never seen it rain that hard for that long ever. I mean, you got you got the 2000 Georgia Tech game, which was canceled. You have the 2003 Hurricane Isabel Texas A and M game, which was played in the rain. There was no thunder and lightning. There was the uh, 2009 Miami game, obviously quite rainy. We love to do the, the memory lane mm-hmm, here mm-hmm. Uh, of rain in Lane Stadium. Uh, you know, you have the 2017 Duke game. You have the Pittsburgh, uh, 2019 Pittsburgh game. You have the 2013 overtime Marshall game. Um, all of these games actually mm-hmm. were victories too. Right. Um, so this was not anticipated. I had my sunscreen on. I left my rain jacket in the car, I was not ready for any type of thunder or lightning or precipitation that we did see. Yeah, so when we're, so when we're asked to leave the stadium, I run into uh, Drake DeUlis' towering self uh, walking back to the tailgate. And I was like, oh, you know, I might back, go back to the car 15, 20 minutes. And he goes, uh, well, you can just come back to our tailgate. We have beer and you can have some. So I was like, okay, <laughs> that sounds good to me. Um, it was great to see Brian Johnson. It was great to see Drake. It was great to see Dylan Rivers, his younger brother, that whole crew, Oscar Bradburn. Um, and um, flyover happens. Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson as well. Flyover happens. And then we start marching back into the stadium. Saw about 15 minutes of football. And, and that flyover. Sick. So sick. Flyover was great. Um, and again, we're going to talk about the game after we get through just kind of the extracurriculars here. So then we go in, watch the game. And for about five plays, there is thunder and lightning going on. And you're kind of looking around. You're like, hey, you know, maybe administration's being kind of cool. And we're just going <laughs> to get out there being cool. <laughs> maybe we're just going to yeah. let it. They're letting the under <laughs> kids drink. Yeah. yeah. We're cool. gonna, so nobody mentioned it. You heard the thunder and lightning. I didn't hear anybody talk about it. Everybody was kind of like, no, that was a yeah. garbage can. It's, yeah. it's garbage Eve. Yeah, exactly. I'm not, management's coming tomorrow. It's okay. No one's flying a kite with a key on it. So I think we'll be all right. Um, yes, and then they end up uh, delaying the game. The game was monsoon delayed. <laughs> Print the T-shirt. And, and I got to tell you, it was absolute hand, like pandemonium. I'm, I'm, I'm talking sardines in the concourses. It was, it was literally every man, every woman, every child for themselves. I looked around and I said, I don't mean to compare this to a tragedy. I was like, it's like the Titanic, like. Like nobody's getting food, nobody's getting water, nobody can move, and it's either hey, you can't go out there, you need to shelter here, yeah, or hey, you need to get out of here and go into the Beamer Lawson, or you need to go in the Rector Field House, or you need to go into Castle. So it's kind of like, hey, which one are we supposed to do? A hundred percent. And I mean, uh, so luckily, luckily, um, I have to sing. Our guy Sonu sings praise, praises here. Um, he bailed us out with a couple of passes up to the uh, up to the box, but they weren't letting people go up to the box. So we did we did figure out a way to get up there. Um, little life advice: if you do want to hear about it, you can ask. 
uh, and we'll share kind of the strategy there. Um, but shout out to Bryce Chalkley for making that work. Um, and TBH, brain delay, nine and a half out of 10. I had a great time. <laughs> you know, I ate a ton of Swedish meatballs, a lot of high noons. Um, and uh, we were we were up in the box. Shout out to, um, hung out with Ace Custis for a while, Hunter Couture, Tall Paul, um, who else is up there? Coach, Coach Foster, Foster, Mrs. Foster. Um, it was, it was just, I think trading stories with Ace was was uh, one of the highlights of the day. It was it was the Ace in the Hole right there. I like that, Charlie How? Charlie Howe. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so we had uh, the content from Sons of Saturday. I don't mean to. I don't mean to. I don't mean to stroke the ego here, but it was, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> I mean, we interviewed. Charlie Howe, who is the director of the – he is the director of the U.S. Open Championship. So um, so for U.S. USGA. We've interviewed him. Yeah. You can go back and listen, listen to uh, 2020. He was one of the first ever mm-hmm. in-person pods yes. the Sons of Saturday uh, prior to the uh, – Shinnecock? Was it Shinnecock? Yes. In, uh, in 20, he hooked us up with a poster. Oh, we got – no, no, it wasn't Shinnecock. He hooked us up with Shinnecock posters. That's right. Um, That's right, from the year prior. But I uh, have to jog the memory, but Charlie's the man. And it's great to have him back on the mm-hmm. East Coast. Mm-hmm. Got to get together soon. Um, we had a lot of fun up there. We did have a lot of fun. And then finally, football is played. And let's go ahead and let's talk about this game. We'll start out with um, – we're going to start out with the bad. And, Pat, why don't, you, why don't you kick it off with the bad here? Naturally, Mother Nature was not a hokey on Saturday. No. Um, actually, you know, one could make the argument that Mother Nature was a hokey, given our awful start. You know what Luke Combs says? When it rains, it pours. Oh, baby, when it rains, it pours. Four inches of rain, five hours and 27 minutes of monsoon delay. <laughs> the longest weather delay in can you college, tell what that means? In college you football history. What, can you tell people what you're saying? So you guys know our cornerback, uh, number four, Monsoor Delane. Um, <laughs> a few months back, I was uh, I was supposed to fly somewhere. I don't know where. And my flight was delayed. So I called Billy and I said, hey, man, I'm not going to be there for a little bit. My flight was Monsoor Delayed. <laughs> so naturally, Monsoor and Monsoon, mm-hmm. they go together. They coincide. Um, okay. So, in, so the weather was a challenge. Um, granted, I, I think without the weather delay, we actually probably lose by double digits or, or more, um, just by how the game was going. You know, I think the psyche, um, you, you have to motivate a football team. Um, you know, you get plenty of time out there to do pregame warmups and whatnot. And a weather delay like that, I mean, you are starting from square zero again. You got to get the guys fed. They have a, they had their post-game meal during the delay. So, you know, you got to digest the meal. It's not just, hey, when is the field going to be ready? It's going to be, hey, you know, when can we get our athletes back out there? You know, we want to look out for their health, their safety, um, and, and put them in a best position to succeed as well. What do you think the Purdue situation was like? That's a question I have. I know that was in one of my, like, unanswerable questions was – so again, Virginia Tech had the benefit of going back to the locker room, which means it brings you back to the facility because we don't go to the we don't do halftime or breaks in the locker room that is in Lane Stadium anymore. Um, so they were able to, from what I understand, take the pads off, shower or whatever, and then go upstairs into the dining hall and have a meal. I have no idea what Purdue did for five and a half hours. Um, I I. 
I'd be remiss if I didn't say that it'd be pretty embarrassing if we went up and had a nice meal and Purdue was chewing on, you know, like fruit snacks and Jimmy John sandwiches and then came back out and 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 played the way that they did. But I looked I saw at you. That they were playing Hangman and I saw that they were playing Spades. Maybe yeah. they were catching the uh, the Virginia JMU game, some mm-hmm. of the other games that we're on. But I think we might have to hit up the Boiler Up podcast and, and figure out. What- I, 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 I have to say this. I, I turned to you when we came back out and Inner Sandman played for the third time. And Purdue, after that five-hour and 30-minute intermission – was fired up to play ball. I mean, like, those guys have kicked their feet, uh, kicked their, they, they were, they were lounging around our house, putting their feet up on the coffee tables. They mm-hmm. took their shoes off. They had well, well made it known that they had made themselves at home at that point. You yeah. Know? Um, but they, they were dancing around, getting hyped. Their body language uh, during the third end. They were ready to roll. was certainly an indictment of, of how they were prepared. And, you know, they must've had a pretty solid, uh, pretty solid, Get up there on Spades the, and uh, Hangman's pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. It's like an old fashioned, like parents taking you to the cabin without Wi Fi. You've got to find ways to, to pass the time by candlelight. Uh huh. Talk about one of the more disappointing things from, from this game and, quite frankly, last game as well the run game. The run game Ugh. is the biggest issue facing this Virginia Tech football program right now. The run game is without a doubt limiting Virginia Tech's offense. We're extremely one dimensional at this point and it doesn't matter if it's reggie bush ezekiel elliott adrian peterson kevin jones ryan williams david wilson whoever Phil herbert the list goes on about guys that could be in our backfield not much is going to get done until the offensive line situation gets figured out uh, we we are going right up the gut we're getting stuffed we're averaging 1.85 yards per carry this year, uh, which is the fourth uh, least in the Power Five, 123rd in the country. Uh, we had 11 total rushing yards on Saturday. Granted, we would have finished with negative rushing yards without the 13-yard Kyron Drone scamper at the end of the game. Right. We would have literally finished with negative yards. Which we're going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> we are certainly going to talk about that. 109 rushing yards last week versus ODU. Uh, this Virginia Tech football team, as Coach Fry, Fry mentioned in the post game, needs to get more creative in the run game, needs to get the ball outside to the perimeter, and needs to adjust the scheme where the offensive line is giving our talented running back, Basial Tootin, the opportunity to do that. I love him. Like, he is great. I, I, it's very weird to have such an unsuccessful running game but you can tell with the way that he runs, like when he gets a, a two yard gain, he's having to make two or three guys miss to get back to the line of scrimmage. I'm really glad that you tweeted it during the game. I'm really glad he found his way into the end zone because it has to, it has to be frustrating for him um, with the success that he had last year. Um, and I think he's a really good back. I think if we're able to find a way to, whether it's scheme, whether it's results, I have no idea, but he's a talented enough back that should be, making an impact on the game and he's not being given a chance to do so. We're going to talk about the passing game, um, but some stats that Sam Jesse analytical wizard. I didn't even know this was a stat. Yeah. He called it offensive line yards, which means offensive line yards are yards that can be completely attributed to the offensive line and not attributed to the running back on Saturday, Virginia tech had three offensive line yards uh, whereas Purdue had 72 total offensive line yards. Um, clearly that this 
this is a uh, an offensive line that is inexperienced that that needs um, some bigger bodies and you know some more talent in that room. And we know that this is not the peak of our offensive line capabilities here at Virginia Tech. Um, but you know, it's pretty evident that um, you know their strengths are not in the in the running game. Uh, some more stats that Sam dropped on us because um, we have to drop it in here. We have had 10 explosive plays this year. Which is more than I thought, just to say. I, I, I have been impressed with our ability to create And I believe plays. an explosive play is a play that is greater than 20 yards. Mm-hmm. All 10 of these explosive plays have come from passing plays. So regarding the run game, it, it, it seems to be a little bit unfixable at this point. We hope it is fixable, but uh, we're going to need to see some type of change or some type of improvement if we're going to win football games. And I think talking about quarterback play, we came on here last week. Billy, we know you are the you were. I don't know if the club is still open. It might still be open, or we might just be making some changes of the name of this club. But uh, the Let Grant Cook narrative and the Let Grant Cook fan club we might actually need uh, might need to change this to the let the guy throwing the ball cook. Mm-hmm. Whoever is taking snaps, we have to be a passing first ball club. Mm-hmm. We have to pass to open the run because the run cannot do anything right now. We need to be a, a Mountain West or a Pac-12 or a Big 12 team at this point. We did see. It wasn't Halloween, but we did see some fellows dressed up <laughs> in the north end zone. Uh, they, they looked like they might have been from – you know, the Food Network or Ratatouille. The Culinary School. The, the, I don't even know if we have one. The Virginia Tech Culinary School. Uh, shirtless guys with chef hats on, on their they chest. Had, they had like a, they had like a spurtle. Mixing bowls. <laughs> mixing bowls, a wooden spoon. Let Grant Cook inscribed on their chest, which was fantastic. Uh, but let the guy who is throwing the rock cook. Yeah, that's my thing. I think a lot of people at the end of this football game, uh, you talked about this later. I just think it's a good time to bring this up now. At the end of a football game, everybody is like, who, we lost the game. Who is the one person who is responsible for this atrocity? Why did this happen to us? And I think this game, a lot of people are blaming one of two people. It's Tyler Bowen and it's Grant Wells. I will say two things about both of them. Number one, I have a hard time blaming – Tyler Bowen at at an extreme level because he did scheme a lot of wide receivers open. We did a really good job of finding ways to get wide receivers open, get them into space, get them the football. I also have a really hard time blaming Grant Wells because one, he was injured basically the entire second half. And two, to the run game part, you can only be so effective when you, everybody knows you're going to pass the ball. Everybody they're they're daring you to pass the ball they're pinning their ears back the defensive line for Purdue was fantastic uh, yesterday so uh, to your point Pat I, I do think that this absolutely needs to be a, a a pass pass happy team but you have to find a way to at least make them honor the fact that you might maybe run the ball yeah mm, you know I think just overall <laughs> talking about Grant's performance he completed 16 of 33 of his passes um, two two touchdowns mm-hmm. two touchdowns Two interceptions. One of which was his fault, one of which was not. Yeah. I mean, certainly more of a 2022 Grant Wells performance, which, you know, arguably, actually not arguably, is, you know, not going to help us win football games. Yeah. Right. Um, inaccurate, a lot of overthrows. 
And, you know, losing a guy like Jalen Lane late in the game, losing a guy like Ollie Jennings, who is, you know, I mean, just a game breaker. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we don't know what the situation is there yet. But uh, really impacted our offensive performance. And the fact of the matter is, as as poor as our quarterback play can be, and it was not good yesterday, um, if we don't have the opportunity to open up the game, uh, you know, running the football, the passing game is going to be limited as well. I also have to say, you, you have to find a way to get Daquan Felton involved in the game. Like, if, if Ollie Jennings is hurt and Jalen Lane is hurt, like, if it's a separation issue, okay. I'm just saying I'm watching him on the field, and he looks unlike anybody else that's on the field. Like, any defensive back that lines up against him, wherever he is, it seems to be a mismatch. Doesn't seem to get a ton of targets. Um, yeah, I mean this this is a this is a Hagrid versus a Garden Gnome situation. Very and uncommon. you know if I have Hagrid lining up against a Garden Gnome, I'm probably going to try to get the football to Hagrid. So you know <laughs> if Harry is is snapping the football and Hagrid is open, get Hagrid the ball. Can I? Can I just really, really, really well done? Um, talk about the depth of this football team. Oops, I accidentally pressed play on the Lee Corso video. Um, so, the depth. You know, uh, with, with targeting last week, um, that forced the hand to get some guys who we didn't think, you know, would be either cracking the two deep or would be, um, you know, playing so early, already getting mm-hmm. an opportunity to play, um, which is good and bad, right? It's a double-edged sword, whereas, like, hey – it's awesome to get Braylon Johnson snaps. Mm-hmm. Seeing Caleb Woodson already in there at number 20, he looks like a power five linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, that's great. Jalen Jones, who's who's a starter. He looks great. His his body looks completely transformed over the last over the last year playing safety. He he looked awesome too. Mm-hmm. And then Moe's Phillips got a lot of burn as well. Um, I, I, I think just the overlying concern here is that thankfully. We have depth in the wide receiver room. Mm-hmm. We have guys like Steven Gosnell, who had a fantastic second half. Um, you know, Benji Gosnell, who I, I really like these uh, these brothers who are catching passes for us. You know, um, I love their post celebrations too. They're very funny. Uh, very <laughs> funny. Mm-hmm. Give me Henry Hynoski vibes and uh, like Adam Thielen vibe. Two uh, white guys. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who Henry Hynoski is. He but. was the guy in the Giants. He used to do the the like horn celebration whenever he scored touchdowns. Yeah. Not really a Giants fan, guys. Just so you know, I, mean, I like them, but you know. Anywho, uh, the wide receiver room. Thankfully, we have depth there. Uh, but you know, throughout the rest of the roster. We are going to see uh, guys who, you know, might be a little bit green. Mm-hmm. Um, Aiden Green, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, on that point, I just – I don't understand why Tucker Holloway does not get more burn on at the wide receiver position, especially if Ollie Jennings is down and especially if Jalen Lane is down. To me – you can make the argument <clears throat> maybe Tucker Holloway doesn't get as much separation as you want. To me, he's one of the more reliable players that we have on our offense. Um, they did bring him in late in the game, so I'm hoping that his role does expand, especially if these injuries um, to Ollie Jennings, it does seem like it's pretty significant. To Jalen Lane, the, the jury is still out on on the significance and time that that injury will take to heal. Um, but uh, that was just an observation that I had from um, 
from Saturday as well, from Saturday afternoon and uh, night. <laughs> yeah. What was also tough was the play in the first quarter. Virginia Tech cannot score or cannot spot a team 17 points. You brought this up and it was glossed over. I genuinely believe if we didn't have a rain delay, it would have been a really ugly game because mm-hmm. they had us so well out schemed. And I know you wanted to talk about uh, about Hudson Card's um, effectiveness in that football game. Yeah, well, even just kind of talking about spotting a team 17 points. Yeah. Boise State spotted them 17. Could have won. <laughs> Same year, a few weeks later. NC State, we spotted them 17 on the road and then came back 141-30. Hats off to the team for coming back from 17. For sure. It would, have been, it would have been so easy to pack it in. And then from there, it's all right, the next team that scores is going to, to win this football game. But um, – Virginia Tech has two points in the first quarter so far after two games. And those points are coming from the safety in the ODU game last mm-hmm. week. Um, however, to, to, uh, to continue your point about Hudson Card, 23 of 34, 248 yards, ran for a score, uh, had a pretty solid rushing attack as well. Um, his rushing attack mm-hmm. was able to open up the passing attack. Um, kind of remind me of Kenny Pickett a little bit. Um, his his stat line is not going to blow you away, but this guy has huge cojones. Like any time that any time that Purdue needed a play, big third down play, um, you know, attacking down the sideline, throwing it to guys that weren't necessarily open, his ability to do that and his wide receiver's ability to catch 50-50 balls. Um, anytime Purdue needed a play, Hudson Card was able to make it. Um, and there were several times I turned to you, I was like, this quarterback is awesome, mm-hmm. or at least he is today. Yeah, transfer from Texas, Quinn Ewers <laughs> beat him out. We obviously know how good Quinn Ewers is. Uh, went into Bryant Denny and beat Alabama yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, but good for Hudson Card. No, no doubt. I think another thing that they that Purdue did really well, just from a coaching perspective, they completely isolated our ability to rush the passer. Um, they definitely watched the film from last week. We finished the game with two sacks for 16 yards. And the coaching staff, Card, Purdue, they did a great job on one, two, three balls out. One, two, three balls out. A lot of quick game, a lot of three-step drop. Um, and um, they just, you know, nickel and dimed us to death last night. Here are some things that stand out to me. Um, because at the end of the day, this is a seven-point loss to Purdue. And, you know, if you – we love playing this game. If you would have told me we played Purdue and we only lost by seven – Look, we lost the game. What bothers me more than losing the game is some of the stats that you look at it with. If you didn't know what the score of the game was and then you looked at the box score and it said you lost the turnover battle two to nothing, you lost time of possession essentially 40 minutes to 20. Virginia, it was uh, like 38 to – it's going to be under team, yeah. team, whatever. 38 to 22 or something. Yeah, 38 to 22. Um, Virginia Tech was <coughs> – uh, excuse me, it just made me almost throw up. <laughs> Um, Virginia Tech was two of twelve on third down. Not going to win a lot of games if you're two for twelve on third down. And again, we averaged 0.5 yards per rush. Um, that's not a stat line conducive of a lot of teams that are going to lose a football game by uh, by seven points. How did this exactly happen? I think the rain delay again played a huge part. I think we we're able to make some adjustments after the first you know half of the first quarter. Uh, I also think that Purdue's um, exercise in extreme stupidity in the second quarter. They're up uh, 17 to seven 
with five and a half, five minutes and 54 seconds left in the half. And they go for it on fourth and one on their own 34 yard line. Absolute stupidity. And then Virginia Tech is able to score 10 straight points uh, to go in tied at the half of that game. What are my notes here? Um, yeah, I, I think I already touched on these things, but you want to talk about the good? Yeah, we can talk about the good. I mean, number one, I do want to shout out Coach Pry opened his press conference saying this. I want to shout out to all of the staff, faculty, um, everybody who was able to make this football game happen. I'll say this. I would have been really disappointed if we didn't play. Yeah. Because the Thunder and Lightning ended – and um, we're not playing badminton. We're not playing baseball. We're not playing, um, you know, bocce ball. So I'm glad we were able to find a way to win. But I do understand, like, again, we can we can show it again. The field looked absolutely horrible. Um, and when they came back out and played, the, the field, in my opinion, wasn't a huge issue. It didn't seem to really affect the game at all. Um, but as far as the good goes, first and foremost, man, Peter Moore played his absolute cover your kids' ears ass off. He, he had an unbelievable game. He was punting a ton. Let's look at his stats. He had seven punts. He averaged 46.3 uh, on all of them. He had three pinned down inside the 20-yard line. He had a long punt of 55 yards. Peter Moore, fantastic job. Jalen Stroman had a great game. He was tied for the most tackles in the football game with Kelly Lawson. I will say this. It's, it's a stat that I, I typically point out. You don't love – when your safeties are leading the team in tackles, he had 14 and Monsoor Delane came in second with eight tackles in this football game. That just shows you that the Purdue running backs were able to get to the second level a lot. And then uh, the good again, it's the youngsters making an impact. I'm looking at Jalen Jones. I'm looking at Braylon Johnson. I'm looking at Caleb Woodson. I'm looking at Daquan Wright, who had a great game. He led the entire team in receiving with four catches for 77 yards, had a couple of nice plays. I think he did have that one uh, tipped ball, you can call it a drop, uh, that ended up being intercepted. Um, but Daquan Wright did have a solid game. 19.3 yard average on his uh, on his catches that game. He is a, like, what would you describe him as? It's like when he has the ball in his hands in the open field, he's like a galloping, like. He looks like a linebacker. It, no, he's like, if a cow was fast. <laughs> if a cow was fast. So like a bull. He's yeah. <laughs> He's kind of better than cow. He's kind of like a bull. Uh, you know he is falling forward. He he is. You love saying falling forward. He falls forward. He does, but you love saying. Imagine that. pushing that guy back. It's like Logan Thomas. Um, every single time he gets the ball in open space, he will secure a first down. Would love to see his uh, first down to catches ratio. I like that. Sam Jesse, find us that stat, please. We talked about Basial Tootin just being a talented football player. Um, touchdown in the first half. The fact that he got in was unreal. I mean, he caught the ball and was off balance to begin with. You're like, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to get a first down and get out of bounds. And he makes another guy miss and then kind of uh, lowers the shoulder and gets over the last guy into the end zone. Reminded me of Khalil Herbert. Reminded me of uh, Raheem Blackshear. <clears throat> just dangerous in the open space, making guys miss, but also had a Positive impact on kick returns as well yesterday. Um, two kick returns for 64 yards, the long of 35 as well. Um, and then receiving from Basial Tootin, uh, two catches, 45 yards. Uh, Kyron Drones, mm-hmm. let's talk about it. 
We've come I, a long way in this podcast and haven't talked about our guy number one. Uh, quote from uh, our guy Mike, who's in the stands. Um, so he goes in the game. Mike had had a, had a few cold beverages, and um, you know, I think this is how a lot of people feel who may not uh, be very familiar with the roster. Kyron Jones shots onto the field, and he goes, "Excuse me." Because Kyron Jones looks amazing in pads. He goes, <laughs> he goes, I didn't know LeBron James was our backup quarterback. <laughs> so, so he comes in, from what I understand, because Grant Wells was hurt. Um, and, you know, I want you to read this Luther Matty tweet because this is exactly how I felt when it happened. Luther Matty. So Kyron Jones gets out there, throws it to our guy, the galloping bull, mm-hmm. for a big game on his first pass. And then Drones goes in there and uh, completes another pass. And then it's time where he calls his own number, runs for a 13-yard. He said, we're not finishing with negative rushing yards today. Listen, man, I'm going to get you guys in the black. (laughs) And instead of either going out of bounds or, you know, sliding, he solos out one of the Purdue DBs and just totally lowers his shoulder and trucks the dude. It was it was a Logan Thomas. I looked play. at you when it happened, and I literally <laughs> that play the replay. Look at the replay. Look at the replay. I looked at you. I said, "Look at your look at the replay." I loved that guy. <laughs> so that was that was awesome. And look again, I, I do want to tip my cap to him because there there quite literally is no tougher spot to be put into a football game than that. Uh, you're down a score. You've played zero minutes the entire game. You're asked to come off of the bench, and you're asked to lead essentially what was it an 85 yard scoring drive uh, to tie the football I, game. I think we had the ball in like the eight yard. Yeah, line. maybe maybe more than that, 92 yeah. yards, whatever. Backs against your goalposts. Um, drones. The way that we have been approaching this drone situation, you know. In my in my opinion, and I know I've said on this podcast, I have been under the impression that you know we we kind of have a Quincy Patterson situation where mm-hmm. you, you're not necessarily confident in the throwing ability. You know, putting him out there, he's a big body. You know, he, he can muscle for a first down. He gives you a threat in the run game, but you're not really confident in the passing game. And that's you know the general idea that Coach Pry has has put out there. He's an athlete, um, and he gives us you know an opportunity to to make some plays on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but going out there and seeing him, you know, hey, Kyron, this is your opportunity. And he took it and, uh, you know, made a solid impression on his first drive. He threw the ball down the field he, in, the, uh, in the middle of the field. The one play that I wish we could have had back was, uh, I believe it was on third down. He had a long chunk play that he threw to Daywan Lofton. Um, at, the ball ended up going out of bounds around the three. And Lofton was open. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he puts the ball on Daywan Lofton, you're looking at first and goal from the three-yard line. Tough throw, though is a tough throw. And also the offensive line kind of broke down when he went in. Like Mm -hmm. we've been kind of raving about, you know, as much as you can about the offensive line and pass protection, they've done a pretty solid job. Um, But when Kyron drones got in there, they really struggled. And uh, to be fair, Purdue really pinned their ears back. I looked at, I looked at you. I looked at, I sat next with Caleb Ferris for this game who I love great seeing him, but a lot of, a lot of, you were in the middle, a lot of analytical football. going on. I was here. I was here and you know, this, this, and that, that. Cover and, one, cover one, twists. Well, you know, guys, here come comes on. this. You I played know? soccer in high school. I don't know what you're talking about. But um, yeah, just <laughs> it, they pinned their ears back and they brought it, and you kind of knew they were going to bring it. And that was that was to me on our drive, our chance to make something happen. Uh, a lot of people were clamoring for pass interference on the deep ball to, I believe, uh, Daquan Belton. It was not pass interference whatsoever. Um, you know, good no call by the by the zebras on that. Um, but yeah, I. I, I if I'm a gambling person, which I am, 
um, I would bet that uh, the combination of we need to figure out if this is viable and Grant Wells being banged up, I would be surprised if not only Kyron Jones plays next weekend, but I would be surprised if he does not start next weekend in mm-hmm. uh, in Piscataway. I know a lot of the um, the commotion kind of at the end of the game and uh, in the post game was why did it take so long to put him in? Mm-hmm. Um, I was under the impression that Grant got pretty dinged up in the second half, and then that final sack. Uh, in Grant's last drive was kind of the nail in the coffin on, on yeah. Grant Wells's uh, efforts on Saturday. Um, I like never thought, or... I never thought at any point during the game that Wells had played poorly enough to make the to make the switch. In my opinion, as as I watched the game, I but I do think that him being the combination of him being banged up and what we saw from Kyron Drones on that last drive um, gives him the. Uh, Gives him at least the the opportunity or the right to get a a, a larger sample size look. Uh, place went nuts when he came in the game. Yeah, too. I mean, because there were so many various variables in play. You have Jennings injured on the first drive of the game. Yeah, how did he get hurt? Too it was crazy. Yeah, he just he essentially blocking down um, the field for Daquan Felton. Daquan Felton gets tackled or Jalen Lane and uh, ends up getting rolled up his on. Yeah, or ankle or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jennings going out. Jay Lane going out completely changes the dynamic of who you're throwing the ball to. And then hero the, run game. And then the run game just being, you know, as bad as it was. Mm-hmm. Um, running game, run game is so brief. But but um I think we should talk about kind of like, you know, how, how can we draw some parallels to 2019, right? We have a tiny sample size of Kyron Drones right now. Um, and I know we want to see him again. Like, well, you know, he was only two for seven for, you know, what was, what was he? Two for seven for 32 yards. Like, you know, are we going to crown him as quarterback? No, but we did see enough potential there. If we're going to compare it to the 2019 Duke game where Duke beat us 25 to 10 or th- uh, 45 to 10. Way worse than that. <laughs> 45 to 10 on a, on a night game in, in Lane Stadium in September. Wide out. Hendon Hooker's stat line was also not very good um, where he came in in the fourth quarter and got some burn. The game was well uh well over at this point but Hendon was one of two for eight yards and he had four rushes for negative 11 yards and a fumble Mm -hmm. um Hendon Hooker was named starting quarterback that next week at Miami and then 2019 was turned around we're gonna say that's gonna happen here uh it's too early to tell but give Kyron Jones a quarter give Kyron Jones a half uh we don't even know you know how healthy Grant is uh, going into next week but I think we can all say we're excited, right? That's that's why I think this comparison um, between the situation we have with Wells and Drones right now is much more comparable to uh, not. It's not comparable to Hendon and Quincy because when you had Hendon at quarterback, he was clear cut like we are the best when he is our quarterback. Period. No question about it. Um, I think it's much more comparable to Ryan Willis and Hendon Hooker because Ryan Willis can go out there. He does the, have the talent to make all the throws that you need him to make. But the coaching staff, from what they saw at practice and what they haven't seen on a field in a game, it's a little bit of a gamble to say, okay, we're going to go with Kyron Drones and see if he gives us a chance to win the football game. Uh, And I think that is what I'm looking for in this Rutgers game is give him a chance to get out there and and see what we have. Um, And I don't think we have an option. I think think Grant's banged up. Yeah, um, just to kind of 
close the loop on a few things with what we liked from the game, the positives. I think we have great defensive backs, uh, Delane, uh, Derek Canteen. The defense in general, honestly, was on the field forever. If you go ahead and you look at the you look at the stats, and you're like, oh man, we gave them 400 yards. Like they were on the field for so long. They bailed us out on a couple of times where uh, we turned the football over. I, I really have a hard time blaming the defense. My really only gripe is just how are we constantly needing the safety to make the tackle or the running get back is constantly able to get to the second level when Caleb and I were talking about this as well. It doesn't seem like the defensive line does a ton of stunts, a ton of twists, a ton of different stuff. It is I am rushing straight up the field and engaging. And um, the interior defensive line, uh, which is primarily made up of guys who have been here for a while. Again, I don't know if it's scheme. I don't know what it is. They just have not been as productive um, to this point, which uh, which is really concerning. And again, to tip a cap to Purdue – their defensive line was so disruptive. I believe they had nine. Uh, I think there were nine total TFLs for for Purdue in this football game. Um, but we're going to need to get a little bit more out of the D line. But I have a hard time placing a ton of blame on our defense because they battled. They battled all night long. Um, they didn't give up points. You go down seventeen to seven or seventeen nothing, and they didn't give up points until that last Purdue drive or that last Purdue score. Excuse me. Um, Let's talk about the crowd. I will never get on this podcast. Mm-hmm. and not acknowledge the impact that our fans have mm-hmm. and make this an incredible home atmosphere. Yeah. Um, whether you are driving in from D.C. or the Carolinas or New Jersey, or if you are making the trek down from Cincinnati, like our guy Drift. Shout out, man. You know, whether it's a, a, a down and back from Smith Mountain Lake, Salem, or Roanoke, whether you're coming out from Big Stone Gap or – God forbid if you made that trip from DC and got home at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, exactly. But um, you know, tip tip it tip of the cap to the folks who who were you know hanging out in the concourse forever. Tip of the cap to the folks who came back at six fifteen and made Lane Stadium a formidable place to play. You know that we probably had twenty thousand people. In well, it, was there. Like it was originally a sellout. The Purdue game was a sellout and it was mm-hmm. packed. And again, I have so much respect for the fans from both Purdue and Virginia Tech who waited that out. Again, we didn't like the the passing up of information on what was going to happen was absolutely horrible. We saw reports going out that the game was definitely going to be canceled, that the game might start at four o'clock. Uh, the Thunder and Lightning probably started about stopped around 30 minutes after the game was delayed. And then it just was pouring. Um, and as you're going through the concourse, people are sitting there and um, just waiting it out. And I saw videos of like, you know, people passing around these popcorn baskets full of hot dogs for people just to make it through the game. Um, and then I have to shout out the students. Um, and a big reason why was because when they reannounced the, we're going to do a, a podcast or a conversation about the reseating at Lane Stadium. But a lot of people were like, you know, the students leave early. The students aren't as invested. The stu- Like the students were awesome. North end zone was 90% full the entire football game, whether that was the students that originally went out, whether that was the, stu- whether that was students that didn't have tickets that took advantage of the opportunity to just go. They were there. They were loud. Like the whole second, uh, second chapter of the football game. I thought it was loud. I thought it was – I thought like I was on the phone with Pete B last night on the drive back, and he was like, it really sucks that we lost the opportunity to, to have a real true home field advantage. It was more neutral. To me, being there 
I definitely think that the fan base impacted impacted the football game. I mean, you knew that every single hat in the building was uh, <laughs> someone that you're right. I just got a little. I mean, I, I was at a, I was at a nine hour football game yesterday. I got a little got a little little frog in my throat. You knew that every single person in that building really wanted to be there. That is, I'm so glad. I'm so you just put it off the glass, and I'm about to Shaquille O'Neal bring it down. I said it multiple times. If we won yesterday, it would have been a top five, top three football game I ever attended. What I absolutely loved was was Lane Stadium full. No. But every single person at that game gave a damn and wanted to be there and was going nuts. And um, I know we lost the game. I know this is an interesting. It's one of the most. It's one of the more fun times that I've had at a loss in a long time because just the the entire day, um, as challenging and frustrating as it was with the weather delay, it was it was really cool that everybody had came back out and supported the team. And um, you know. A bummer that we didn't come out with the W. Um, questions that I have going forward, I added this segment just because, you know, I'm not going to get answers to them, but they're questions that I have moving forward. I already talked about Tucker Holloway and his involvement in the offense. Um, are we going to be able or are we interested in developing some sort of run game outside of the tackles? Um, running up the middle just produces zero results. It's just a you heard it at the end of the game. I believe it was a third down and we ran right up the middle and you heard some boo birds um, when we had that going on. Um, I mentioned, I know our team got to eat. Did they, (laughs) how did Purdue handle that? Uh, And then, you know, one of the biggest questions, and I don't think anybody anticipated asking a question like this about Virginia tech, especially with all of the verbiage going around um, with what Virginia tech needs to be to get back to where we were. Is Virginia Tech capable capable of winning football games that they need to throw the ball 45-plus times per game? Because it seems to be the only option. Can we win games that way, and are we willing to be that type of football team? We've talked ad nauseum about what is the identity of this football team, what is the culture of this offense, what is the identity of this offense – it's not that our identity or culture is to throw the ball. It may be that that is literally the only option that we have is to get back there and throw the ball that many times. My one big thing, it's not really one big thing. It's kind of just a summary. At the end of the day, we did a solid job scheming open some wide receivers. Credit to Tyler Bowen. Credit to the receiving group. Daquan Wright, Stephen Gosnell, Jalen Lane before he got hurt. That said, the run game was absolutely putrid. Um, and... The thing that made the difference, in my opinion, was Purdue just didn't win the turnover battle. They won all of the 50-50 plays, the 50-50 balls. um, Very disciplined football team, had a great scheme, and we ended up losing the game. And again, we lost to Purdue by seven points. We're sitting at one and one. We're going to Rutgers. Rutgers is a huge, huge football game for the future of this program and also for us to find out what we're going to do at the quarterback position and how we can improve week to week. So, um Without further ado, can you can you give us Pat's blue ribbon of the week? And also, where does this come? From? I don't know if we addressed where this uh, where this birth from. You are wearing the wearing the kippy cap. I think we may have um, our friends at PBR. Uh, we did not get to do a, a PBR uh, tots uh, tab this weekend, but we do want to acknowledge Pat's blue ribbon this week. Um, Available at Benny's. If you don't know. You can get PBR at Benny's. Lane Stadium is the only stadium in America that is serving 
Pabst Blue Ribbon. Pabst Blue Ribbon is the gritty beer. It is. It's the beer for the people that wear blue jeans and sweatshirts, people, baby. Uh, blue jeans and sweatshirts. And I think it's only fitting that for the only stadium that serves Pabst Blue Ribbon, we also acknowledge that Lane Stadium is the only collegiate football stadium that has an integrated turf management system. Wow. This is from Green Tech in Richmond, Virginia. And Lane Stadium has, it's called trays. They call it trays. Natural turf is positioned above asphalt. I didn't even know natural turf was a thing. I I thought turf was like, you know, plastic, uh, you know, with the the little rubber tire things. Mm -hmm. But Lane Stadium has natural turf. And the results of this is that the field can be drained, it can be dried, and it can be moved. And we saw on Saturday, had the vacuum machines making moves. This is unbelievable. And the playing surface was was good by 615 by mm-hmm. game time. So Pat's Blue Ribbon is going to the Virginia Tech uh, Turf Grass Management System uh, group out, out there, the folks who oversee the groundskeeping, the grounds crew at Lane Stadium. Um. Moving on from that, should we go to uh, should we go to shoutouts? Are we doing the? Uh, or should we just address the whole uh, who we blaming thing? Sure, yeah, we can do that again. Yeah, I guess I'm not going to say it's frustrating. It is frustrating, but it's absolutely here. We are. Believe it or not, Virginia Tech lost a football game. This is not the last time Virginia Tech is going to lose a football game. It's not the first time either. It's not the first. I mean, yeah, <laughs> surprise, surprise. So. <laughs> This is going to happen. Um, what what makes me always uh, frustrated is when, after that first loss, it's who are we blaming? Who on the internet can we make a big fuss about? Needs to get fired. Get needs benched. to be replaced. Needs to get benched. Uh, not much solution. Mainly, it is pointing out problems. Um, you know, whether it's hey, well, if Wit had LED lights. Or if, you know, probably would have hired a different OC or if Kyron Drones would have started, then we'd be 2-0 and mm-hmm. and we actually would have already been poached by the Big Ten or the SEC. <laughs> and it's like, all right, you know, it's every fan base. When every loss is a team loss. Every win is a team win. And running around with hair on fire after loss number one, Guys, we're not going to go undefeated every year. Uh, we learned this week that Virginia Tech is not going to go undefeated in 2023. I think everyone knew that we were not going to win every single game. Um, challenges happen. This is football. Um, but <laughs> it is it – is, uh, it's a frustrating dialogue. But that's how it is. That's, yeah. that, that's like complaining about it raining, you know. Um, well, well, people are, happens, going, people are going to complain and, you know, things are going to happen. But I, I don't know if that's something that necessarily is ever going to change. It's just a personal, here we go again. Yeah. What do we need to fix? It's like, I don't know. Sometimes you lose, sometimes you get beat, and it happens at every fan base. I mean, when Alabama loses a game for the first time in 13 games, it's like, has Nick Saban lost his fastball? Is is, is this the beginning of the end for Nick Saban? I mean, it's just, you know, it doesn't always have to fall on the shoulders of one person. I love that. Every win is a team win, and every loss is a team loss. That is 100% how it works. Um I'll tell you who isn't getting the paps. Actually, wait, I do believe we did get one uh, letter from the lunch pail. I'm going to Steve. I'm going to rapidly. I believe it was Steve. Actually, I'm going to rapidly go over and check our mentions because I was about to say they don't deserve. Oh, there it is. Steve Bryce. So Steve Bryce says we're reacting to this in real time. Questions for the crew. 
staring down the barrel of being underdogs next four weeks straight. Oh my gosh, dude, that is that is true. And having no running game to speak of is our best bet for winning any of these games starting Kyron Drones. I think yeah. I think next week is the week that we're going to find that out. Um I uh, that is that is crazy to think about being underdogs the next four weeks straight and having no running game to speak of. I mean, we're going to be on the road for the next two weeks. Go to go to Rutgers, then we go to Marshall, then we got Pittsburgh, then we got Florida State. Um, this is the beginning of that gauntlet that we have been talking about for quite some time. So, I think this is the week that we find that out. I, I think also it's going to be crucially important to find out the significance of the injuries that. Uh, that have hit our wide receiver room, which last week we were saying is the most talented, potentially the most talented room in the entire football uh, football facility. And we're going to have to find out exactly what that looks like. So um, this is huge, man. This is, this is kind of what we wanted was the opportunity. You're going to find out how exactly talented we are, how resilient we are, how this coaching staff handles um, adversity. And there is a ton of adversity that's going to be coming the Hokies way over these next few weeks. Any, any thoughts on that? We'll know more next week. <laughs> I I think we'll see drones start next week, and then mm-hmm. we'll have a, a great idea, a larger sample size. We'll have more data. Yeah, we're going to have more data. I, I'll say this. We're going to make some business decisions based on data. I think this is one Let's more go. thing that I want to say before we get into the shout-outs. I, I do want to – I guess this is a shout-out too. I want to thank everybody who did – sign up for this Rutgers game. We have been excited about this game since it was announced, um, you know, however many years ago, um, over 410. I think the uh, final tally will be around 430 or 440 people will be joining us in section 109 and section 110 for this Rutgers football game. Uh, tailgate is going to be in the silver lot. Bring your own everything. I am, uh, you know, rumors, da-na-na, working on potentially something with Jersey Mike's, but um, we are really, really, really excited and appreciative of everybody. And that's what's so special about this fan base is traveling out and making a difference. Um, so I know you have some other information on that game too. Yeah. Um, I believe the lots open five hours before kickoff. And can I just, you won't say it, but I'll say it myself. Look, I, we, we received a few emails of people that were, uh, you know, less than thrilled about the, uh, time that the kickoff lots open uh patrick and i we we do rep new jersey we like to consider ourselves some of the more um prideful yeah prideful and most influential figures in the great garden state of new jersey but uh you know we don't since since now since when uh, did i become Derek jeter we uh we actually do not have any pull in the tailgate opening uh at rutgers so unfortunately we we don't know who to pick up the phone and call um on that so um you know Greg Schiano, if you're listening, maybe open the lots a little bit earlier. But if they don't, we're gonna have a great time. Show up, show out, and let's have let's have some fun. Yeah, the, the lots open at 10:30. Mm-hmm. We encourage you if you did not buy a silver lot parking pass through us um, to to figure out how to park in the silver lot or bring your stuff over to the silver lot. Please be mindful of people and their tailgates. This is not a Sons of Saturday hosted tailgate. I want to make that clear. We will not be providing food or drinks or anything. More so, hey. This is Hokie Central. If you want to meet and hang out with Hokies, you know, the Silver Lot is where we're all going to be gathering. Yeah. It is very much a play it by you ear. Are, you are screaming in my ear. Just a heads up. <laughs> it's very much a play it by ear <laughs> kind of situation. Hopefully we'll put some updates on Twitter mm-hmm. uh, for you all. I'm excited. Uh, section 109, Section 110. 
Be, be loud, be proud. We have these goofy t-shirts that we made. We're committing to the bit. We are. Um, if you're making fun of us for our t-shirts, don't yeah. wear it. We're committing to a bit. Yeah, don't um, wear it. We like bagels. We like pizza. We like the Jersey Shore. And, uh, you know, it is literally our state. state. Um, yeah, that's where we're from. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> any, anything else on the Rutgers game? Um, it's just going to be fun. Don't be, I, I'll say this. I have no worries about this with Virginia Tech, but, you know, be courteous. Be nice. You know, Jersey people that fist pump and, you know, eat pizza. Be nice to them. There are, there are people. They're good people. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Some other shout outs. The weather update with Charlie. I just had to double down on how funny it was. Um, more content of the rain on Instagram mm-hmm. and what campus looked like. I saw like a full 7v7. It might have even been an 11v11 football scrimmage in like a one like a park, one foot of standing water. Uh, a bunch of shirtless students seemed to be playing. What uh, was during that? the delay? What was that? Grit. Yes. <laughs> That's a bunch of gritty kids, dude. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if it was Burnt Cup or Red Cup or Barstool VTech, but there was plenty of content to go around. We do make fun of those accounts a lot, but they crushed yesterday. They, I mean, crushed, <laughs> they crushed chaos. They, did. they crushed the Center Street they content, did. and they crushed the uh, the rain content. So well done. Uh, shout out to our friend Ann Castle. Ann uh, gave me some information in regards to a few events going on in Blacksburg this week if you are in town saturday september 16th is brew through i'm sorry brew do mm-hmm. brew through is in the outer banks that's right um so that's different brew do <laughs> thank you brews food trucks merchandise and live music saturday september 16th they're looking for volunteers they're selling tickets at blacksburgbrewdo.com that is from one o'clock to 5 p.m at Historic Smithfield in Blacksburg. I've been to that before. It's a cool event. If you are in Blacksburg, do check that out. It's a very, very cool event. Love it, love it, love it. Friday, September 29th. This is the day before the Pittsburgh game from 5 o'clock to 9 p.m. The kickoff on College Ave, which I know is uh, a new type of tradition in Blacksburg. Uh, Again, downtown Blacksburg, 5 to 9 p.m. There's special guests, inflatables, live music and performances, lawn games, Fun for all ages. They got some student-led traditions. They got the spirit squads and more. So that's a ton of fun. Again, that is Friday, September 9th. Sorry, the 29th from 5 to 9 p.m. Um, So get on down to that before the Pittsburgh game on the 30th. And then I I do have to say, Ann sent me a hilarious text during the game last night. Not me over here saying no, no, no at two guys trying to start the wave as we are starting a series on defense down seven points. And thank you for that. Um, Billy and I are, are thankful for your Yes, thank you for your service. There. No doing the wave when we're down points in Lee Stadium. Um, I want to say – I Talk about committing to a bit. That's right. I want to say a couple of things. First, Sharky shout-out. I'm actually – shamelessly going to give to us we, we did say that the post game stuff would get a little bit better we had plenty of content to work from with the with the delay and everything but uh these will get better as the season goes on so i appreciate you guys tuning in um a couple other sharky shout outs to come from me i want to shout out first and foremost our partners over at the hokey way um who did exceed their fundraising goal for their countdown to kickoff campaign they were able to raise over five hundred thousand dollars um through that campaign to continue to make a difference in the Southwest Virginia uh, corridor um, through charitable uh, work done by Virginia tech student athletes. So 
Huge shout out to Matt Sams, that entire team. Great, great job. And thank you to everyone who donated. Uh, I also want to give out a shout out uh, on the NIL side of things to Triumph NIL. They're doing a phenomenal job with content. Um, I absolutely encourage everybody to check them out. And, um, you know, again, NIL is going to be a huge reason on why Virginia Tech either can be or can't be successful. So um, great job by Mitch Gerber and that entire team. Um, Keep doing awesome, awesome stuff. I also want to shout out again, everybody who came out and stuck out the football game. Shout out to Dr. J, who is an absolute icon at the uh, at the football game. She was on the video the board. Midfield sizzle. A hundred percent. And then we ran into um, Drew uh, and Mary. Drew and Mary, uh, which was fantastic. We saw them on the way out. We are um, not six seven and six ten. Not six seven and six ten. We do have <laughs> we do have towering physical presences and towering uh um personalities and loud voices so everyone's trying to so so i was going to say shout out to the section five family oh my gosh Um, dude because we are you know being forced out of our homes yeah yeah uh with the reseeding next year there will be um some changes and adjustments that we'll i'm really going to make so we're going to need to Honestly, just kind of have a, a big group meeting. Got to get the board together group and uh, you know, kind of decide what the what the plan of action is. We will be staying in East. I think sit in East and die in West is kind of the uh, the motto that we've put together. Um, you got to give credit for the motto, though. Who was it? Again? Bryce. Said it? He did said Bryce say it. Or did said, Bryce? Someone told Bryce it. I guess so. He said it was. Uh, it was. Uh, what did he say? Live in East. He said. Uh, what was it? Something about sit in East or sit in East and, and bury me in the West. Bury me here. That's what he said. That's what it was. Um, it's okay. a great, great. Yeah. But we said, hey, Drew, because Drew and Mary, went, you guys got to come to the South, you know? And we're like, Drew, you got to sell us. Yeah, no, South. that's not, you know, not completely opposed. Love the love the core of cadets and everything. And I understand. I, I, I do want to say this um, for everybody freaking out about the reseeding. A lot of people were like, students don't need this many more tickets. And I'm going to ask everyone to do an exercise based upon the graphic. How many more tickets do you think that they added for students? I'm going to give you a second, and I want you to think of a number in your head, and then I'm going to give you the actual number. You got that number? Great. They added about 1,500 more student tickets. This is what's going to happen when the school begins to expand. We are going to have a larger conversation about why and you know, maybe some qualms that we have with it. Um, but at the end of the day, when you expand the school, you need to have more student tickets available. But should you have students sitting behind the bench? I think that's the team. I'm glad you brought this up because I didn't have a chance to talk about this. Um, that is probably my biggest qualm. So with no tickets and everything else, we had a bunch of students sit by us, which I absolutely loved. I loved hanging out with the students. They they were great. They were loud. They were impactful. But, but I had several conversations with them because I'm a big, like, what is your rule on talking to the opposing team? What is your rule? Because I think it's a great rule. My rule is if you're going <laughs> to shout something at, you know, the offensive linemen or some of their QA guys or some of their staffers, mm-hmm. at least make it, you know, funny for everyone involved. You know, yeah. not making it F you or F Purdue. Like, that's just silly. Yeah. Honestly, lazy. Making um, fun of playing time as well as if any of, you know. <laughs> You guys right. would be getting any playing yeah. time in the game, exactly. too. I think the general rule of thumb is if if you yell something down to the sideline, if it would make both the mother next to you, the grandfather next to you, the kid next to you, and the players laugh as well, mm-hmm. like that, that's my Let rule. Like, for example, uh, as right before this, the, uh, the last stand band yesterday – uh, you know, there were maybe 15, 20,000 fans here. And I screamed down to the, one of the guys, 
you guys have never played in an atmosphere like this before. And the guys, one of, I think it was one of their D linemen started cracking up. Uh, I, whatever a fan says is not going to get under the skin of these guys who are 6'5", 209 pounds. One of the funny ones I did hear was a student yelled down to a QA guy who he goes, yo, is your name Ned? You look like a Ned. <laughs> the guy laughed. He looked back up and he said, my name is actually Gray. And I was like, that's way worse than Ned. <laughs> So, so that was funny, but the whole well, the short shorts comment was funny too. That was funny, you too. know, like, hey, you have short shorts. <laughs> That's kind of funny. The guy, like, he was standing there, he looked up, and he, you know, looked down at his shorts and, and cracked short. a smile, and yeah. they were a little short. Now the problem that I had was the fu Purdue one, which is just whack. I can't stand that. But but the students were incessant on every time the defensive line would come off the field is talking crazy to the defensive line, saying that they were terrible, saying that they were ugly, saying that they were ugly. Yeah, yeah, I guess, I suppose. <laughs> um, so I turned to the students a couple of times it- and I said, hey, guys, I just would like to let you know that you're talking trash to the unit that has held our team to negative yards <laughs> rushing. Maybe, just maybe, that's not the unit to, uh, to single out. Um, but again, glad they're there. Glad they're making an impact. Just, you know. Maybe that's not the unit. Maybe, maybe they got another unit. To put a bow on this, yes, uh, the Barlows and dozens of people have been sitting in Section 5 for a lot longer than, than you've even known mm-hmm. about Virginia Tech. Or any section. There are, people like this. there are people like this in every section. Um, yes. You know, you got whole, like, sets of fraternity brothers sitting together mm-hmm. that are going to be displaced. Um, and, you know, if they're – if they say, hey, I want to be in these seats on the other sideline or the other side of the, the 50, they're going to have to compete with the folks who are, you know, on the mm-hmm. other side. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to be breaking folks from their groups. I mean, um, we have so, a group of 25, 30 people that we like to sit with yeah, every single year. You, you know? know, a lot to be um, upset about. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll have more discussions about that at length. Mm-hmm. Um any other shout outs before we close the books? We've been watching. So just so you guys know, we've been watching TV. We're, we're just, we have YouTube on and uh, we have the Boston college, Northern Illinois game on from yeah, last week. When I said, when I said Boston before, college is horrible. When I said world before it was because Boston college refused to field a kickoff and, um, and North Northern Illinois just fell on it. <laughs> so uh, there's also uh, less people at the Boston college game that did not have weather complications. Um, uh, than we had yesterday. I had Purdue as a win. I have, Bo- I think I had Boston College as a loss mm-hmm. in my predictions. I'm gonna do a little flip, flipperoony there. Mm-hmm. Um, other shout outs. I think that's it. Loved hanging out with Mike. Loved hanging out with Bryce. Um, oh, our guys, see. our guys who came down to Section Five. Our guy Zach Osman mm-hmm. um, saw Nels. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. We had um, our guy Bryce. Mm-hmm. Uh, who we're going to do some Fiji uh, Jimmy V stuff with later in, in the fall. They, yes. they run the ball from, I think, Blacksburg to Charlottesville. Amanda Hurst. Amanda Hurst. Elizabeth Galbraith uh, in from Kansas City. I mean, we could do a whole podcast on, on shout outs. I mean, you also, I mean, I also do want to, I, I, I hate to do this um, to, uh, to Mrs. Barlow here. Um, not Mrs. Barlow Sr. Amanda Barlow, right? No, no Abby Barlow. Abby Barlow. She uh, called out Patrick for saying that there wasn't a Sharky shout out for her on the last episode. And um, there was. Uh, so go back and listen to it. But we will give you another <laughs> shout out. 
again, and we are we do sincerely apologize for for cropping you out of, uh, of the photo. So we did make sure that we put it out that the Sons of Saturday is an an fan account. I also think you need to owe the Boiler Express podcast an apology I for, do. for promising. I do. I do promising. To go take a, a photo with them after I do, I do. after the game, I, and I, you know, granted, it a was hap- a lot happened between the expected time of you know game ending three yeah. thirty and no. nine thirty. I think it's I think forgot? that's good ownership. I did forget, you know, sometimes I, I I do have a podcast and I do have life, and sometimes I do say things that are wrong and forget to do things and um, spell things wrong and forget people's names and do all sorts of stuff that I shouldn't do, but it happens sometimes. And this was one of those times. So I do owe them a, uh, I do owe them an apology. It's very sincere. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Hand well, that's about it guys. That's a podcast. We got Rutgers this week. It is the new, it's, it's the Billy Ray and Pat the insufferable about New Jersey yes. week. Hope everyone is prepared, whether you want to tune in or you actually don't want to tune in now. That is your prerogative. <laughs> uh, but we are fired up. We are, we are turning on, um, all the Springsteen and we are eating all the pizza and uh, we are making our way up there. Uh, can't wait to see you guys at SHI stadium. We got a game preview coming up here this week and um, keep following along. Let's go Hokies. Reach out to you and say, Take a head, it started